Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Oh my gosh, I love this. So we're doing another video interview. So if you're not, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you're not getting the visual component to this. One thing that people that are watching missed out on is I got to see behind the scenes and we have Turk Akbe today. I saw him jumping up, getting himself psyched out, getting ready to go for this interview. And I loved it. So uh, Turk, uh, you are a, a catalyst coach and we've had a lot of uh, coaches on this podcast. What separates you from the other coaches? Hey, Vinny, thanks for the platform. Thanks for a warm welcome and introduction. Um, I, I work with, you know, I'm a coach and I use multiple coaches. So what I think really um, differentiate me, and of course, it's always based on the perception of the receiver. But one thing that when I'm working with um, in the coaches on the past, this is not a comment on other coaches. I'm just telling a story. But sometimes what happens is in, in, in their desire, the, the, the coaches that I work with, in their desire for me to find my own way, it was always like, I was like, tell me what I need to do. What, what is this little thing? Can you please tell me? And my coach would be like, well, what do you think it is? I'm like, this is what I'm paying you for. It's like, can you just help me? And, and they're like, well, you know, you need to discover this. So this created a little bit um, frustration on my part. And of course, frustration is mother of all invention, right? So I said, oh, I got to come up with a way. And so what I, I call myself is a catalyst for greatness. I don't hold any cards against, you know, on my chest. And I don't want to create dependency on me. But what I do is I become the catalyst for people to light their own fire, light their own greatness. So for me, my position is always, you're already great. You're created great. You're already awesome as you are. Now, there may be some parts that you don't have access to. Let's light a fire under your butt and let's see how far you can take this fire and then uh, let you go. So that's how I built my uh, coaching practice around things. So you saw basically a problem that was happening and you go, I could do this better. Cause that's, I totally agree with you. That's one of the things I've had different coaches and them kind of just answering the asking the question, well, how do you feel about this? How does this make you feel? Or how about like, I'm paying you, give me some solid information, show me from your history of what you've done. And I want to follow those footsteps. So let's talk yeah. about your footsteps, where you come from. I mean, what got you in this business? Well, <clears throat> The, how I came to being a coach, and I've, I've started doing it back in 2006, 2007, that area. Um, it just, I spent past 30 years developing or studying self-help. All the way, you know, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Trace, you name it, I devoured it. And I was not getting any of the results that when I was reading from the books and I was like tearing myself up. I'm doing the legwork. Why is this not working? What's happening? So I spend, I come from really crazy background, crazy. I, I grew up in Turkey, um, the, subject to mental abuse, physical abuse, all kinds of stuff. I could not wait till I run away. 
I run away. I came to America by myself. Didn't speak the language. It's just like one random guy. And I shared the story on my TED talk. And essentially, I wanted to quiet my own inner demons. Like I wanted to just, I hated myself. Look at the mirror. I was like, oh, you're a piece of crap. Or there was a hole in my soul and I could not quiet it. I mean, ongoing joke is, I said, if I don't kill myself first, I'm going to take over the world. But I first got to stop myself from killing myself. And so I, I just dive in to these gurus and teachers to really get some peace, man. It was just like just being okay in my skin. That was my first goal. So go ahead. Well, let me jump back there a little bit. So you're getting, you know, abuse at a young age. I mean, that breaks a lot of people. What was the driving factor saying, I'm not going to be broken. I want more. And then to come to the U.S. and, and things like that. That's there's, there's two roads. <laughs> yeah. Great story. So here it goes. Now, I was born seeker. So I don't know your spiritual background and, or, or your audiences, but I don't think this is a random universe. There is an whatever you call it, but there is a, uh, an organizing principle that works in this world. So whether before I was born or whatever, but I was born a seeker. So that's what usually caused a lot of these abuses because I questioned things. And this story really shaped my life in a big way. When I was six, now I'm OG, meaning I'm older than Google. <laughs> so when I was growing up, TV did not come on in the, during the day. So we listened to radio until TV came on. I heard the story of Galileo and he was the first person that, you know, invented telescope. He's like, oh, I think the, the earth is not flat. And I think the earth is, um, you know, going around the sun. He was the only person, every teacher, every scientist, every religious person, every Pope, they tried to kill him. They said, this is sacrilegious. It's against all the things. And I was hearing this story on my way to school on a radio show. And I said, and I asked my teacher, I said, is this true? They said, yeah. I said, so how do we know? What we know now is true because 140 years ago, they tried to kill this man and everybody in the world thought he was just crazy. So maybe I am like Galileo, it could happen. So what that taught me is Flexibility on my belief system. Now, I always think that I could be right and the entire world could be wrong. And I could be wrong about everything I know because 100 years from now, maybe they're just going to look back and you're like, what? They thought, the, what? So that during the abuse, my teacher's trying to beat me, the, the, the bully is trying to beat me, whatever happened. And I just maintained that. It's like, maybe I'm just like Galileo. I just don't know it yet. So that gave me uh, a light in the, at the end of the tunnel. And then I guess at one point I started growing up, growing some muscles, becoming like a, a tall six foot three man. And then I was like, okay, I did my time. But I feel that really kept me going. So how do you know that you wanted to come to the US? <laughs> That's really great. So I grew up in Turkey, funny times. So 
there were some TV shows and movies that influenced me. I said, I want to be like these people. So Turkey is a really old country. They've been around for many, many years, you know, Genghis Khan and all that. So there's a rigidness and old school rules. And I like flexibility and I like to question the rules. And old guard does not like it question. So for me, the biggest some of the biggest influences was the movie Karate Kid, the show Cheers, and some of the cartoons. And I would look at my life and then I would look at these people and I was like, those people got it. That's how I want to live. And you know, people are like, shut up, you're nobody. I'm like, I want to go where those people are. I want to hang out with them. They seem to be more normal. So um, that's, that's, you know, that, that was my desire to come to America. And a week after my 17th birthday, I mean, I came here, a phone number to call, $200 in my pocket, and a suitcase just showed up. Didn't speak the language. Like, this was not possible when I came. I just knew yes and hello. You know, a, a true immigrant story like so many of us, I'm assuming, you know, like your ancestors. Yeah, I mean, um, my my father, uh, they're from Mexico. But yeah, no, I told you. So you come to the U.S. How long after you're in the U.S. did you join the military? Um, two years. So okay. what happened is I came here with the American dreams. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Moved to, you know, went to Charlotte and it sucked. <laughs> I didn't speak the language. You know, I'm, I'm already a seeker, so I continue to seek as my English improved. I was asking these questions, people calling me names. You know, North Carolina is not the most liberal state. And so they're calling me a goddamn foreigner, and you suck, and go home, and all this stuff. I loved it here. Like, I felt like I was home. I said, there must be a way for me to show my appreciation to these people, to this nation. Like, how can I do it? I didn't want to become, I didn't want to join the military, then become an American citizen. So I waited till I become an American citizen, then volunteered, because I wanted to make sure people later on, like yourself and your audience or whoever, understand that I wanted to do this voluntarily enough because I had to just to pay for this freedom of speech we have and these opportunities that are gifted to me for being in America. So, I mean, you're, you speak so highly of, of America, and I think some people take for granted when you're in a situation or even in your positive situation, wherever it might be. Do you look back on where you came from and assess kind of where you are now uh, often, or is it just? I would not be such a great American if I wasn't a great Turk before. So Turk is not my real name. It's given to me when I was in the Air Force. It was a nickname that stuck but it's appropriate for being here. I don't ignore my Turkish background. I use Turk as my first name, no denial, but it's different. It's a young and old, it's like an old tree and a new tree, whatever you want to do. It's just, it's, it's different, but I am um, melding of both. And I think my Turkish upbringing really made me appreciate all the things that people who are born here sometimes get to take it for granted. So you're in the military, you're, you're getting kind of steady food, steady paycheck, a place to live. 
when did you decide to, to leave and kind of go back go back on the streets, get back into the into the world and start building something? Well, I realized military was not for me uh, <laughs> about a week after the boot camp. Okay. By the way, have you done time in the military? No, I was. Uh, I did some construction out there in uh, overseas in Afghanistan, but never actually with the military. Cool. It was clear to me military was not for me, meaning that I didn't like the rigidness. I didn't like the ranking system. I wanted more flexibility. I wanted to be free, all that stuff. And so, but, you know, agreement is an agreement and I wanted to pay my dues. And I did five years. Um, at the end of five years, they're like, hey, you want to come more? I'm like, I eh, can't do it. I got to get out. And then I got out. Um, every American should serve in some capacity. Military is an incredible tool that um, really shapes character, discipline, understanding, honor, and really putting yourself, you know, a, a mission being more important than you. So highly recommend it, but if you're a free spirit, uh, you know, do a short term, get your benefits and get out. So, so you get out, what, are you, what kind of knowledge base did you uh, uh, take on to allow you basically to start a career, either building a business or joining a company or what, what happened next? So one of the, the backstories about my desire to be in the military is I truly wanted to have some discipline. You know, I was 19 and I grew up in a holiday resort, like think of it like a Key West meet um, Vegas in Turkey. It's like a holiday destination. So I had a really cool lifestyle, you know, hanging out in topless beaches, teaching windsurfing, you know, a, a, a dream life for a teenager. Um, when I came here, of course, you know, Charlotte, far from it. And even the United States, it's, uh, in, a, in a lot of sense, it's more conservative than it is in Turkey. But one thing that I, I recognize in my life, and this is, I think, is important for um, everyone to have a true honesty with themselves, like you're not sharing it. I was like, you know, there's a lot of these dreams that I want. And I'm in America now. I'm doing all these things. But, you know, how can I do it? I was talking a good game, but I wasn't walking a good game. So I said, okay, I'm going to go in the military and do all these different things. And one benefit that is going to be um, from, you know, discipline. So when I get out of the service, I had discipline. I, and I was a firefighter when I was in the military. So life and death situation, being deployed to Saudi Arabia during Desert Storm and actually seeing uh, death and carnage and seeing um, all the fire department facing my fears. And so when I came out of that, um, it, it feels like I can be anywhere around the world and I can find people and we can talk. I can sleep standing up. It's no problem for me. I can eat any food. And once I say, yes, I'm going to do it, I don't give a shit, man. I'm going to do it. And those skill sets is what was necessary in civilian career. It took me, I was in the military for five years. And it took me about five years to get demilitarized, meaning that to be okay with civilians not doing what they were supposed to do. You know, in the fire department, if you're not where you need to be, people die. In civilian, eh, you know, if you're 10 minutes late, it's okay. And this was, I was just like, I hate civilians. And I was like, relax, dude, it's okay. It's just a different life. So, so what happened next after the military? You're in that in those five years. You're basically 
becoming a civilian, what were you doing at that time? So I'm a tactile learner. I've Because of some of the abuse that I took in school system, I have an aversion to going to a classroom setting when there's a teacher teaching. So show me how to do it one time and let me do it a few times. That's how I learn. So I want to, for me, the most important thing is freedom, my personal freedom. I don't like to be told what to do. I know that my experience show otherwise, but it's true. I like to make my own stuff and I want to get my own answers. So once I get out of the service, I said, okay, now what do I need to do? I didn't want to be a firefighter. Well, I wanted to be a firefighter, but because of their racial quotas, I was not eligible to apply for it for a few years. And so I was like, okay, if they don't want me, I don't want them. What can I do? I just started getting jobs in different places. Did a warehouse job, work in a restaurant or whatever, just generate some income so I can start breathing. In that process, I moved to California. Love it. Orange County. <clears throat> Miss it every day. Miss it every day. So I went there, trying to find my own angle, trying to figure how these things work. And so what I wanted to do is because I'm a tactile learner, I always seek teachers. So I said, okay, I need to learn, you know, sales. So I got a sales job where they were teaching sales. I said, okay, I need to learn how to manage people because, you know, you do that military stuff to civilians, they break. So you have to be gentle. So I was like, okay, just barking orders at people and telling their dumbasses doesn't work. You need to figure out a, a better way. So then I was like, okay, where can I go get this? So I learned, you know, I went, so I work with so many companies I don't really know. I do three months, six months, maybe eight months, but I focused on what I wanted to learn. So it was, if I was learning sales, I get a sales job and my goal was, how quickly can I be the number one? What do I need to learn? Who's on top of this game? And what can I learn from this person? One thing, another thing that I like about myself is, this doesn't sound like it because I'm excited, but I'm really humble. Meaning that I actually try to figure out who's the top guy and what can I learn from you? And I always pay forward. So whoever's the top guy, I show up and say, hey man, I wanna work for you free. What can I do for you? What do you need? And then that person says, I need to clean the bathrooms. Do it, no problem. Someone says, I need this written, no problem, whatever. So if I'm learning from you, you tell me what I need and I'm gonna do it. It's like apprentice or Kung Fu back in your, you know, it's just like being with the wise man and get the information fair exchange, once I have it, say, hey man, you got good time, I got good time, I gotta go. And then start something, fail, and then I go, why did I fail? It's like, oh, I didn't know about cash flow because I run out of cash. It's like, where can I go, where can I trade my time to learn cash flow? And it's like, Starbucks, great. Let me go be a manager at Starbucks, go to Starbucks, get a job, learn how to read P&L, how to do the cash flow, how to do budget, and then get out. And then start another company, fail. And then it's like, okay, what did I not know? 
go get a job, learn that. So, so you, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great way of looking at it. So you're finding, you have, an, you have an idea that you want to build a business and be your own boss. Yet the stuff you don't know, you just don't know. So you the different things you don't know, you find someone that knows it, work for them, learn that information, then leave, build the company. And if it fails, then basically go back to the next company, learn from them, take it away. Yes, How many easy ways way go to college or whatever. But, you know, now as an entrepreneur, I try to hire multiple college graduates and they don't know. Like what's in the book is not really applicable in real life. But yes, so because I didn't want to go to school, I was like, who's the top guy? Let me go, you know, just do whatever. Let me be a slave for that person. I fly on a wall and then let me just observe, observe and absorb what I can. Now, I know you're about um, learning about learning from your failures and growth. I have notebook after notebook after notebook of notes of my failures. So one of, I used to export import things. I used to import things from Indonesia. So anywhere from LA to San Diego, if you went to a tattoo parlor and if you see a mask, a good chance they bought it from me. I was the I was the mask man, importing things from uh, Bali all the time, just going and 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 working, you know, all, on these things, right? Then September 11 happened in Long Beach. I could see the ship that had my stuff in it, but September 11, everything is closed. I run out of money and went folded. I you know I lost everything, right? Now it's easy to say, well. September 11 happened, the whole world is shooken up, the whole country is screwed up, so that's normal. Okay, maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Maybe that was the last, you know, straw on camel's back. But the right way to do it is, okay, what did I not know? What did I misassume? What did I think I could do that didn't come out? Because lots of people did not fail. So I could blame September 11 on my failure, or I could really be honest with myself and see what did I not know. And so this leads into what do I need to learn moving forward. And so now I'm focusing on that. So what I call this, and I read a book much later that made sense, is called Failing Forward. As long as you're falling forward, you're in a forward progress. What's your what's your big why? What's the reason that that makes you push forward, even in these failures, even in these these hiccups and things like that, to keep going forward and building this business? So, <clears throat> there was a conversation one day when I was relatively young, teenager. I said, you know, I want to help people. There's like a room full of family and friends, like these people who care for me. I said, when I grow up, I want to help people. And everyone in the room started laughing. They were like, ah. <laughs> they're like, if you, like, you know, if you become a handle to an axe, they're like, you should consider yourself happy. So all my life I was hungry. I wanted freedom. I just did not want some random person to control me. 
And this is true for you. This is true for me. This is true for kids. It's true for all of us. We just want to be free, free to do what we want to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I said, that was the catalyst for me, hence why I use the name Catalyst for Myself. I was like, you people make me sick. One day, I'm going to be somebody. And I'm just going to go find people like me who are hungry, who want to do stuff, but nobody is helping them. Nobody is showing them. Like, they want to do stuff, but everybody around them is telling them they're losers. But they're not losers. They just don't have the support. So I said, I want to be that support. I want to be that catalyst for those people to get up and say, yeah, I can do it. And so from that moment on, everything that I did was moving. You know, I was like, okay, I'm going to be here one day. This was before podcast. Some guy's going to ask me and I want to tell people, man, I've been dragged through the shit storm and I've been beaten and abused and no money and hungry and almost homeless and all this stuff. And I'm telling you this, I had nothing, there is like nothing, no gifts. And I did it and this is how I did it. It may or may not work for you, but I want to show you the path, what worked for me. And then hopefully this will guide you. And then if you're happy, I'm happy. If you're awesome, we're all awesome because we're all in this together. So that, that's my driving thing, day in, day out. So it sounds like every person you coach, right, or help them find their own catalyst, you see a little bit of yourself in them, correct? We're all in this together. We're, you and I are, we're not separate. It's just that where we are on the um, spiral. So I think in terms of life being like a spiral, so we've started at the bottom, we're just going top, but it is a continuum. It's just where you are in life. So one thing that, that talking to a lot of business owners, a lot of people that have this passion to kind of give back and help people get to where they are, get to get to even higher than they are, is the number, that the, the amount they charge people for the coaching. And I know we're not, we haven't got into this, and that's always a tough thing because I, I, I talk to a lot of people that look at it more of a, a kind of nonprofit, but then they also have to look at enough money to survive for themselves. How do you how do you differentiate basically that kind of wanting to give back, but also treating it like a business? Money is just a form of exchange. I mean, I got to pay my bills just like you got to pay your bills. So, um, Ben Franklin said, you know, every, everybody pays for their lessons. Yeah. Right. Whether you pay for your lessons or you pay for somebody else's lessons. So I think when I hire coaches for myself and as a coach, what I want to do is I want to help my people to earn 10x. So if you pay me five grand, you should get 50 grand from that. If you pay me $1,000, it should be 10, 10 grand from it. If you're not, I'm not the coach for it. And if you're not, you're not the client for me. So when I'm working with my clients, I usually don't start at them early. So my clients are already understanding about, you know, meditation, the things that they're doing. So I, I usually meet with people in their lives where they, they don't need to be convinced 
to have somebody on their corner, sometimes kicking their butt, sometimes pulling them up, and sometimes helping them up. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, so it sounds like that you know the value of what you offer to your clients, and that's how you come up with basically the number. You know that you're gonna get them 10X of what they're gonna pay you. So that's how you can say, hey, this is this is the number I'm gonna provide for you. Yes, yeah. so for me, it's 10X. How much I charge for it, it changes based on how much you know people yeah. wanna, how much I'm holding their hands, but it makes no difference where they're in their life. Either way, their life is going to be 10x. If not, there's a flaw in the system, and there's not a flaw in the system. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, now from that, that person that came over from Turkey to the U.S., I mean, is there any kind of advice you would give to the person? Maybe, maybe it's not even you, but an immigrant that's coming over here to the U.S. and trying to start a new life for themselves. What kind of advice would you provide? So this came to me. America... If you come to America, for any immigrants, this is true. If you don't assimilate, it's going to suck. But if, so what happened for me is when I was coming here, knew nobody. I said, you know what? This is a prison sentence. I'm just going to go for two years. It's a prison, two years, no choice. See what happens. If it doesn't work, I can always go back. I can always go back. But two years, I'm not going to entertain the idea of going back. And, you know, if you're a, if America is a hard, hard, hard place for any immigrant, any immigrant. I'm not talking about current political. There is no immigrant first, you know, coming here like me ever. I have, I've never heard somebody like, yeah, it was a cakewalk. Like when I go to Turkey, people are like, oh, I want to send my son. I want you to sponsor him. I want him to stay with you. I go, dude, your kid will die on the streets. We don't have social net, you know, social stuff. I liken it to this. I came to America looking like a pretty boy. And then America took me, grabbed the back of the hair, slammed my face on the ground, and then ground me. It was like, and then I was like, and then I learned, it's like, get up. They're like, more. And once I stopped pushing and I said, okay, I understand. And I talk about this on my TED talk. It's like, I got to build something here. And these guys are giving me all the material, but I got to build it. Once that clicks, and I think that's a six months mark. America changes people who want to be here for better in six months. And then it just starts opening up. You know, like here in California, it's I, I have Greek friends, Armenian friends, and this friends, and that friends. If you look on paper, these are all enemies, right? Yeah. But it's not like that in America. We're a melting pot. We're just hanging out and doing all this stuff. But it takes that mindset to open. Like I have friends that cannot fathom that I could disagree with somebody agreeably because that's not like if i'm right that means you're wrong but that's not true for us here you can be right and i could be right or we could just totally disagree you know you could be a political person i could be a non-political person we respect each other's being that is an american don't send me emails immigrants i'm sure your country my country turkey has all that 
but per capita, this freedom happens here, and I think it's a six months mark. Like six months, you gotta just commit to being here and learn the way. It, I mean, it sounds like because your idea of just jumping in, being fully involved, fully focused on what you're doing, that doesn't only seem like with your immigrant background, but also in the stuff you've done when you start a business. You know, there's an issue there. Okay, I, I guess gotta fully force. I gotta figure out what this issue is and how I can fix it, and then it goes to the next one. I mean, it sounds like in everything you do, you jump with both feet in the water. Yes, that is true. I don't test the water with my toes, just like surfing in California. If you're doing it slow, it's tough. You're just going to run and jump. I mean, that's how it goes. But you have to have faith. not talking about religious. Certainly can have that. But having faith in your own abilities and figuring things out. Second is you must have good relationship with failure. I think because I was a failure and I was called a failure and a loser and nothing and the dirt and all this stuff, I essentially accepted the fact that nobody cares. What I mean by that is, now I studied Buddhism for a long time. Now I studied all religions, so I'm, I'm a seeker. But when I was studying um, Hinduism, Buddhism, and I traveled in, um, in Asia, it's there is an acceptance. They call it Tao, the way. So for me, the, the, the way that I think in terms of, you know, life and all that, I understand that once I'm dead, I'm insignificant. I mean, I'm insignificant anyway. Even in this beautiful podcast that we're sharing, I am here to enhance what you're doing. Right? I am, I'm not even a pimples on an elephant's butt as it relates to your life. So accepting that about yourself, like me, that I really matter, but I only matter to me. Mm. I don't matter to anybody else. And so I just got to have a, I have to make a peace with what I'm doing. So this gave me freedom to fail. So I failed. I'm like, yep, I'm a loser, but I'm a smart loser. What can I do so I don't make the same mistake? But I'm going to fail. So for me, the beginning of any journey starts with failure. Like, okay, what happens when I fail? And like, ooh, let me, let me embrace that. How do you keep those two ideas separate? Where one idea is that you have faith in yourself and, and what you do. The second idea that basically you're not even a pimple on the backside of a, an elephant. I mean, those are... It almost feels like they're contradicting, but how do you keep them separate? It's the same coin, but just like every coin, it has two sides. It's the same thing. So failure is the end point. If you don't stop at the failure, it's only one of the steps along the way. So to me, I'm a failure at the moment of I stop. Now, my actions may lead into, my actions could be wrong, my decisions could be wrong, and I could get my butt kicked, I could lose all the money, I could do all these things. And yes, if I was to stop at that moment and look at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's a failure, but if I don't stop, it's just learning to walk. It's just like learning to ride a bike. It's just like learning Spanish. It's just like learning English, you know? 
is there something that you do that gives you that that faith in yourself? I know some people have affirmation. Some people look at basically what they've accomplished over their life. Other people look at, I mean, I guess other things. There's something that you look at that go, this this kind of gives me that, that extra oomph every time I need it. Multiple things, but really, <clears throat> Going back to Galileo, I understand the flexibility of all the, the things that I'm doing. And I'm important of these massive things in my life. And I learned this, you know, facing death multiple times, right? Whether in the fire department or the, during war or whatever. So I understand that all this is amazing, but if you're having an earthquake right now in San Diego, this podcast just became insignificant. Now, until that earthquake happens, it's significant. We're changing emails, we're making sure that it's working. So it's all about putting things in perspective. I never ever pretend that what I do is the most important thing. Now, it's the most important thing to me, but that's because I'm doing it and I want to I want to show up and I believe that I'm a manifestation of a greater good. This is here doing the legwork for whatever. Maybe, you know, 10 years from now, somebody's going to be standing on my shoulders and, and they're going to be saying, yes, thanks to Turk, I was able to do this. So I detach myself from the results of the actions that I'm taking. But once I think in terms of before taking the action, that is this action is aligned with my bigger purpose. If it is, no problem. You may or may not um, publish this podcast. You may think it sucks. I mean, I don't think so. But you know what I mean? I'm detached from your interpretation of this and saying this fucking guy is an idiot and delete it. I'm just showing up as myself and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I meditated. I said, this guy works with entrepreneurs, works with realtors, and he has an honestly, he wants to learn about mistakes and how to move forward. And I said, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to share it. And if people think I'm an idiot, I already think I'm an idiot. Man, you know what? If someone's listening to you and thinks you're an idiot, man, I think they're listening to the wrong podcast. Well, I, <laughs> I appreciate you, you, Turk, being on here. If someone's looking to reach out to you to get more information, I mean, it's the best way. I think we have your, your website in the description. Any other ways? Um, else yeah turkatbay.com gets gets to me um i total self yeah that that's good and then if you want to plug my book the number yeah. one habit and that's my new book it's a trilogy but this is the first one look how thin it is oh, that's yeah how many pages is that like under 100 my okay. editor is like you need more i go no people need less he's like you need to put padding i said dude i hate padding he's like Give me the information, let me roll with it. And we were like this. <laughs> Mark, you have to sign a paper saying that I warn you. I'm like, no problem. But this is again, you gotta have faith, man. Like to me, and I think like you get this, and I hope your audience gets it too. No one needs more information from other people. Other people can only help it help us tap into what we have, but we're all created with this incredible brain, with this amazing body, and these things work. Now, one thing that I have to tell you, because I think we're wrapping up. If you're not meditating, 
daily. You're not helping yourself. If you're not meditating daily, then your compass is going like this. You have to be able to sit in silence with your own thoughts and be honest with yourself. You don't have to beat up on yourself. You don't have to call yourself names, but you must be honest. Hey, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I'm lying to myself. This is what I'm honest. This is what I'm fearful. And in meditation, it's silence. There's nobody else's, you know, shitting on your prey. So like that silence and having understanding that everything that you do, if it feels good in your heart, if it feels good, it's the right thing, brother or sister, you should move forward. Because at one point, it's not really going to matter. So might as well do what feels good today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Turk, for being on the podcast. Hopefully everyone listening got some great information from Turk. Go, go out and get his book, The Number One Habits. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.